Okay, I'm here at um, Casual Connect in uh, Seattle once again. Uh, how about <laughs> I've got a special guest here who's um, who's done some interviews in the past with the show. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? I'm Joe Lieberman. I am the owner of VG Smart, the now oldest indie games marketing company on the planet. Okay, good. And so you know, when I first interviewed you a, a long time ago, you know, you talked about um, indie develop indie marketing and stuff like that. Um, what's changed? Uh, where where's the opportunity for indies? I mean, for a lot of indies that I've talked to, they're now going to mobile, they're going to that. Is that something that you focus on? Are you, um, you know, what's your role now in these indie games? Now and now that indie games have also picked up steam and they've gotten more exposure. Well, I think there's a lot of opportunities, but the risk level has also increased. So you see, you can go to mobile, but the reality is mobile is a very competitive, very risky market. You can go on your own, and just like you always could, but that hasn't improved at all. And it's certainly, in fact, probably gone backwards. It's probably more difficult as an independent studio to forego all publishing opportunities and to just go it alone, so to speak. Uh, no longer do we have things like uh, CNET and Download.com to supply you with, uh, with downloads. So you have to go with places like Steam and with, uh, well, Steam is really the, the, the major, major, and then everything else is kind of small potatoes, Impulse and uh, even if you could get on Origin, which they claim they're going to start taking indies, and they, they sort of are, but uh, and, and the various other ones. So where do you go as an independent developer? You can go to mobile, but that's, that's dangerous. Social requires a ton of development time and, and processes, so that's kind of out for most independent developers. Uh, and that, that really just leaves uh, Steam or maybe, you know, PSN or something, but that also has quite the approval process. So in one way, Indies have really picked up steam, uh, without no pun intended, and uh, in another way, it's become increasingly difficult, increasingly more professional, one might say, for the indie market. Yeah. Indies are sort of straddling a, a fine line between professional and garage studios. And um, but then you have these stories like Minecraft, right? That's pure indie. Um, you know what? You know because that's that's huge. Like this guy is is raking it in. Well, I think like anything, there's an exception to every rule. I mean, I mean, look honestly, you know, for the listeners out there, isn't it just should we just aspire to be the exception? Because it just seems like the rule is kind of depressing. If you're the rule in in the indie space, it's not a good situation. I think we all aspire to be the exception. I think nobody goes into developing a game and says, you know what, I'm going to be mediocre at best. We all want to be the exception. We all have the idea when we create a game and we create a concept, we have the idea that we are the exception. Nobody goes into it thinking they're going to be a failure. Well, you know, with Minecraft though, I mean, you have that marketing perspective. What do you think that he did right uh, related to marketing his game? I mean, do you think that's what blew up? I mean, what? why do you think it really took off? I actually don't think it had all that much to do with marketing. I think it had He did have that daily blog though. I think that might have made a difference. I mean, it kept people engaged. Sure, absolutely. Keeping people engaged is a huge part of marketing, but to suggest that that was the catalyst that sent Minecraft from 100 users to 100 million users or whatever it is now, uh, I would say that would be an overstatement. I think the concept of the game that he was able to break down the core reason people play games down to the idea that they want to explore a universe that you've created, a pure sandbox that you've created, and exercise their creativity in that, I would say that is actually what ends up being the success factor for Minecraft. Whether or not you can do that in Replica, 
I think you can. I think anybody can. If you take a concept and break it down to its purest core component and make that just the sole focus of the game, I think there's quite a lot you can have there. So you, so really, was, you're saying it's kind of more like innovation. He had an innovative game design that really led to this? Or no. Nothing sells games better than a good game. Yeah. Well, then for your clients, do you, when you listen to their ideas, I mean, are they primarily innovative or do you tell them, like, look, it needs to be more innovative to stand out? Uh, where does your marketing uh, impact the game design of these developers? I mean, like, when do they actually come to you? Do they come to you right when they're developing a product after they're done? And, and how can you impact or do you actually care to impact their game design? Because we've seen that with social games where actually the, the game design has propagated the marketing. Well, that varies extensively uh, with the client in question. Uh, some clients come to me and they say, We've re we're releasing this game next month, at which point there's no point in me suggesting game design. All I can do is promote the product. And I only take products that I think are going to be successful. So if they've designed a game that I think is uh, not going to be successful, I simply say, I, thanks for your interest. I'm not interested in working with you at this time. I say it in a nicer way than that, perhaps, but that's the general message. If they come to me very early, we work very closely together on all sorts of features and uh, design decisions that may impact the way people perceive the game. So it really does vary quite a bit. And um, I remember when I first interviewed you, you had kind of a like a kind of a product that people could pay to actually like have a general marketing spiel from you know from VG Smart. How, how is it done yet? Do you offer any products for indie developers that they can just kind of go in and buy it and then get marketing from you, or, or is it on a consulting basis? These days, it's all consulting basis. Unfortunately, the uh, well, actually, that design worked very well, but at the end of the day, I want to work closer with people than that. I want to be more involved with the process. Uh, I feel it's more effective for the developers, and it's more effective for me. Uh, so, you know, these days it's entirely consulting. You can send me an email, and I'll we'll do everything from market your game at the very last minute if you think it's a solid product to start from the very early development stages and do consulting on how the product's uh, you know business plan should be laid out from start to finish. You know, um, can you talk about then your experience with helping developers right at the end of th them finishing the product and needing you to market it versus uh, actually beginning with you? I mean, have you seen huge differences in marketing just working at the beginning uh, versus you know towards the end of the product's uh, release? I think a lot of that has to do with my own familiarity with the product. So a game that I am marketing at the very end of its life cycle, or well, I, 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 at the end of its yeah. development life yeah, cycle. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to learn the product, and I can pitch it as best as described to me and as best as I've seen it. But when I am involved from the beginning, I can give the editors I work with a, a much greater detailed overview of what makes this game special. I can uh, influence what makes it special so that I know that better. I think, in general, it ends up being a more effective process if I'm involved as early as possible. But, you know, obviously there's a cost associated with that, and not every developer has the funds to, uh, to pay it. Well, can you talk about that cost? I mean, how much would it cost if someone is, say, trying to get you at the beginning? I mean, can you give a rough estimate? Is this even feasible for some companies? It really depends on where the game is and what the game is and what they need. If it is very, very early where they just want to bounce ideas off me, there is actually no cost, really. As long as I expect that there's going to be a contract down the road, if you know they need 15 minutes of my advice, well, they'll get 15 minutes of my advice. I mean, I don't, I don't care enough to be that granular. Uh, that said, 
Uh, my typical rates range from one to three thousand dollars a month uh, for varying quantities of time, and it breaks down to be about a hundred dollars an hour these days. So uh, it's quite a step up. Now, for for developers, should they approach you if they're looking for? Um, Steam-based games? I mean, like, what is there specific types of games that you feel that you're way more effective in? You talked about knowing editors. Do you know editors mainly in the PC space, or do you know editors in this new mobile space, or in the social space, or all of that? So, I would say I'm still most effective in the PC Mac space. So the traditional indie game space is still my core. I am expanding out into the iOS droid market. Uh, absolutely, that is a task. I'm also working on a, a project right now, just starting this next week, uh, expanding into using Twitter and to uh, passively cause coverage to occur. And it's, a, it's quite a process, but it basically boils down to being very social with as many editors of major news sites as possible. Uh, editors, writers, contributors, everybody who I can get my little claws into. Uh, just sending them pings from potentially company e company accounts. So uh, one of my clients, Muse Games, we're going to be starting this. We're from Muse Games, I will ping back, uh, say, Logan from PC Gamer, and I'll, whatever he's talking about at the moment, I'll comment on it from Muse Games account. And the hope is, of course, that he will bounce back to us and begin seeing our products more and more frequently. And the reason for that isn't because I can't get the coverage otherwise, it's more along the lines of we want to get that reinforcement into there and so that he will tweet about things more often related to us. Whenever, hopefully follow us, and whenever we do something interesting, he will mention it and sort of uh, rolling into this sort of passive grassroots marketing idea. Um, so is social media then a huge part of your, um, your marketing uh, push now? It isn't yet, but uh, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this will be an effective, effective model. As we're moving further into the future, editors are becoming less responsive yeah. to, to uh, email-based marketing. So uh, it's really strange. Uh, I would call it the deprofessionalism of the journalism in games industry. Uh, present company excluded, of course. Yeah. Um, what, what about iOS and Droid? How are you going to get into that market? And... I know you said it's hard for indies, but it seems like the biggest opportunity for indie developers out there. Um, you look at some of these games, um, like Zombie Farm, right? Indie studio, tens of, like you know, over ten million dollars in revenue. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the mobile space and, and tablets? I think it's very easy to be blinded by success stories and not see all the failure stories that go along with it. I think that if you took all the games that were released and built a giant list of them, just printed out as a text file, and then went through and highlighted the ones that were multi-million dollar successes, and then posted that on a wall, it would take up your entire wall, no doubt, maybe more than one, you would see very few successes as opposed to the number of other products that were released that just never really saw the light of day. So I think that's where the big risk comes in. It's a big risk, big reward play. and. Most indie developers go in thinking that there's some sort of middle ground to reach, and there just doesn't seem to be in that space. But I think that's true about anything. I mean, really, have you seen any game that is an exceptional really benefit um, from marketing and exposure? I mean, you have more experience with this than me. I mean, don't you have to be exceptional? I mean, really, like when you're talking about entertainment and movies, you have to be in that top 1% for players to even want to spend their time on it. Well, I think the exception to that is the Steam platform itself that I've seen. I've seen, I've, and I've worked with games that have done uh, big numbers, uh, you know, were, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in net revenue. Net revenue, not gross. Yeah. Um, 
at the same time, I know even the games that don't do all that well, that so basically zero units elsewhere will do thirty to 40,000 nets in sales. And that's, you know, it's not a home run out of the park, but compared to the fact that you're doing basically zero sales on any other platform, that's huge. So I would say that Steam and Valve have created this sort of level of trust of quality that you can benefit from if you are blissfully average. Do you feel that, um, where, where do you see Steam going then in the future? Do you feel that it is going to be the primary distribution platform for PCs, PC games? For the foreseeable future, I do. I don't see any... Or the big, most profitable platform, right? Certainly the most profitable, certainly right now. In the future, I don't see any current competitors uh, threatening them. Uh, Origin is the most recent release, right? But they are Insular, they're EA, which, you know, don't mean to, mock, to knock them, but they don't really have a great track record of being very uh, developer-friendly. So... You know, and the other platforms don't seem to be taking up very much market share. There are some other smaller ones uh, who are able to carve out various niches. Uh, Wild Tangent and Exent, for instance, both do very good OEM deals on yeah. tablet devices and on PCs in general. So places like that could be interesting outlets as well, but they're not a threat to Steam in terms of the, uh, the core market. I mean, how, how can developers go about, these indie developers go about distribution aside from Steam? I mean, how can they use marketing or something else, or is there a new paradigm that they can use to get distribution? Because that's really the biggest issue for most uh, small developers is distribution and exposure. Obviously, your service helps a little, but is there anything else that you can suggest to developers to get their name and their games out there? Well, I don't think there's a single service that's going to solve that problem. That's what makes Steam so valuable, is that it really is a central platform. If you're going to go outside of Steam, if you're going to do it yourself, or if you have been unable to get onto Steam, the solution, excuse my cell phone there, the solution comes down to being able to get some uh, informational gatekeepers on your side. So find somebody in the press, in the industry, who really loves your game and convince them to pimp the shit out of it is the is the short version. You know, there have been great success stories revolving around finding somebody, let's say it's uh, Cassandra at Indie Games Blog. Uh, if she loves your game, she'll write about it. And if she writes about it frequently enough, you will attract a following as long as you have, on your end, a way to capture those users, uh, get their email addresses, get their information, uh, get them into the game. And that alone will snowball itself into success if the game is good. But if you are unable to find a proponent out there, you're, and you're unable to find a platform to distribute on, well, you are SOL, really. I think that's the way it is right now. Um, I mean, do you see a lot of indies, or you just see a lot of hobbyists? By hobbyists, I'm just talking about people who are like, oh, I'm working on a game, you know, a small game, and it's pseudo-indie, but it never gets done, or something else like that. I think that we no longer see hobbyists in the industry. I mean, I, I understand that they are out there, but they've been squeezed sort of out of the marketplace, where we are dealing with, like I said, this sort of professional indie now, this, uh, this braid, or this limbo, or this... Uh, you know, what's the, uh, what's the one I want from Supergiant? What am I thinking of right now? Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. It's, uh... uh... We'll leave it to the listener to, to look oh, it up. Please. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. It's Bastion. Okay. Bastion. So, those, those, that level of game, are those independent studios? Absolutely. Are they garage studios? No, not at all. Okay. Um, where can listeners then find out more information about your service and potentially... 
thank you for it. Ironically enough, I, I, I do have a website, which is bgsmart.com, but don't bother going to it uh, because I haven't updated it since 2006. And the reason for that is I, uh, I get so many word of mouth referrals from old clients, yeah. uh, not to like pimp myself so much, but uh, really the best way is just send me an email. And if your product is good, if your product is excellent, yeah. I'll be in touch. And, uh, and even if it's not, I'll let you know. 